Hi again, everybody. This is Tom Oglesby in the FM 98.3 KCRD Studios. This is episode number five of The Chatter. Janet Wagner with me, along with Colleen Pasnack. What are we going to talk about today's ladies? What, what kind of uh, headlines are hitting us? Oh, we didn't pray yet. Yes. Well, we that, gotta pray. that's the headline right there here. <laughs> Boy, there was smoke coming out of that one headphone over there. So, <laughs> in the name of the Father, and the, the Son, Son, and the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Remember, Remember O most gracious Virgin Mary, Mary that, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly into thee. O Virgin, o Virgin of Virgins, my mother, to thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name Father, of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The pillar of fire has disappeared. Yes. So before we get started with the headlines with Janet, I do want to say we're recording this on the Feast of Saints Joachim and Anne. Uh, July 26th, which, you know, those are the grandparents of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I just want to give a shout out to all the grandparents out there that are so uh, transformative with their grandchildren and their faith. So keep up the good work, grandparents. Often you are making the difference um, in the lives of your grandkids when it comes to the faith. So good work. What's that uh, one, my favorite hymn, one of my favorite hymns, Faith of Our Fathers? Yeah. Was that a a great... uh... It was great, him. I haven't heard it in a while. We need to bring it back. You could sing it right now, Tom. I know. Faith of our fathers. That's holy faith. That's what I know. Okay. <laughs> we will be true till I don't hear the singing. Till, till the, the, I don't hear singing. The Lord did not bless me with that <laughs> gift. But he gave you a great radio voice. Yes. So we'll praise God for that. So I could, uh, who was the guy that used to uh, have the music and he'd, he'd speak, but he wouldn't sing? Um, oh, well. Tom Oglesby. Yes, indeed. (laughs) To the headlines we go. All right, folks, here's the headlines for this week. Mostly it's been reactions um, from the motto proprio of Pope Francis last week when he came out with the Traditionis Custodes, basically limiting and suppressing and potentially possibly ending the traditional Latin Mass. And what was really impressive is a couple of them came out with different responses, including a lot of our... um, Bishops um, throughout the United States. Um, Also, Bishop Athanasius Snyder from Kazakhstan. Uh, One of his quotes, and I quote, this is what he said, his initial impression was of a shepherd who, instead of having the smell of his sheep, is angrily beating them with a stick. I thought that was interesting. Let's save some of that for after the headlines here. We could talk about that. Oh, yeah. 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 Because the thing that struck me, too, and we will talk about this more, but even O'Malley, now, O'Malley is one of Francis' inner eight, circle. his circle of eight uh, bishops and cardinals from around the world, mm-hmm. his inner circle. Even O'Malley in Boston said, oh, we're just going to leave things as they are for right now. Mm-hmm. So not enforcing it. So Yeah, and that's, that's telltale. That's what Very. a lot of the Catholic bloggers and, and people who are in the know with, with different things, they're, they're talking about that stuff. Cardinal Burke also came out with a total report, and and one of the things that he talked about was, um, in his response, he pointed out a number of flaws in how the Novus Ordo could be the unique expression of the Church's liturgy, as the new motto proprio alleges, because the Roman Rite has never ceased to exist. 
And I thought that was interesting. Well, he makes a great point because the Novus Ordo didn't come into being till 1970. So how could it be the unique expression of the Catholic faith? What was the unique expression in 1870? Mm-hmm. In 1770, right? It exactly. makes no sense. Exactly. And the other thing that he piggybacked onto that, not right in there, but in his report was also, and this was quoting from Cardinal Burke, and also that it takes immediate effect. No learning opportunities for discussion among bishops. No study opportunity regarding the um, application of this of this document. Um, and then he also said that Francis Francis's tone was harsh, and I thought um, no. that was interesting. Yeah, you know the, the rigid of you know rigidity came from from him who was being rigid. Right. He who hits everybody with a stick that likes tradition and calls them rigid. It is remarkable that there's no room for dialogue. You know, that's one of his favorite words. There's no room for dialogue in his uh, document. And it's effective me- immediately. And you're reading it as effective. Right. Right. We're going beyond the headlines here. We are we going, going, well, we're going deep here. here. Well, I no, think no, Janet... no, you're good. It ties in with my next, the other headline that was out there. You know, when you talk about our local bishops, when I'm talking about our local bishops, I'm talking about Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Illinois. Bishop Paprakian, Springfield, Illinois. Um, you know, these bishops, I applaud some of them. They're taking upon themselves to say, you know, hey, I'm the pastoral shepherd and I've got quite a few people who attend this mass and need pastoral care. So he went ahead and said he's pleading Canon 87. And basically that dispenses his diocese from um, being obedient to the motto proprio that just came out. And I find that incredibly interesting. And I find it also um, a strength in that actually. And then um, the other last headline that I have is we have yet another scandal in the church right here in the United States Monsignor Burrell, right out of the Archdiocese, or excuse me, the Diocese of La Crosse, um, resigns. Why? Because he was busted on an app called Grinder, which basically lets him function with his passions with his homosexuality. And he may not be the only one, folks. So that was the other headline this week. We may have to dig into that uh, deeper in the show. Here. I think so. It's definitely worthy of a deep dive on that subject. What other headlines? Page two. (laughs) That was pretty much the only thing that hit me. I mean, aside from, um, you know, the papal posse, EW10 with um, Raymond Arroyo, they also discussed with um, the three of them. The posse? Yeah, the posse, what was going on um, with Pope Francis regarding this motu proprio. Um, Cardinal Miller also came out. He was, you know, talking about the cruelty and and the Mm -hmm. hypocrisy of the motu proprio and Vigano basically came out and just basically condemned Pope Francis for even putting it out there. I guess it was just one headline after another with respect to that. It dominated most everything. Did you find anything, Colleen, outside of that sphere? Most of the chatter on the sphere this week has been reactions to the motu proprio. And surprisingly, uh, all the ones that you would have thought were in favor of Francis and what he's doing, they were very cautious I think maybe at some level they know that, you know what, the masses that are full are the Latin masses. The masses that have young families that are open to life, that's the Latin mass. If you ask the ones that go to Latin mass, 100% believe in the real presence. You you query those that go to Novus Ordo, 30% believe. So I think maybe the bishops are like, mm, um, we're not quite on board here with this, Francis. We're seeing on the ground that the traditional Latin mass is not divisive 
like you say, it's not people that are angry and upset. It's people that long for reverence, long for that devotion. And it's the mass that formed the saints for 1500 years. So how can what was sacred yesterday not be sacred today? I'm really surprised at, uh, at the response of the bishops and how much it's like, well, hold the phone here, Francis. We're not on board with you. Mm-hmm. Especially those in his inner circle. To me, that's what's telltale. Yeah, you have all the good bishops. I mean, you can go to Leon out in California. Um, the regular bishops that, you know, the Cardinal Burks of the world, the Cardinal Mueller's, you know, Athanasius Snyder. You know, these are the guys that are always looking for the truth and the faith. But the telltale to me is, is the ones that are in Francis's circle or who are always checkboxing the mark for Pope Francis's agenda, they're saying, hold the train here. You know, back that truck up. They are. O'Malley, for example, in Boston, is one of the inner eight, the circle of eight. And he's been the circle of eight since Francis became Pope. Um, Eight bishops, cardinals from around the world are his inner circle, kind of his advisors. And O'Malley is known to be on the liberal side of things. He's the cardinal of Boston. And when this came out, what was his response? But, well, we'll study it, but things can continue on as they are for now. I was shocked, shocked. So you're right. It is telltale that those that have been Francis's inner circle advisors on board with the Francis agenda are saying, hold the phone. We're not quite on board. And I think it's also um, very good that a lot of them are saying, we need to read this and talk about it and see what it really says and slow it down and look at this. Right. You can't just say something from on high and everyone, you know, just falls over themselves trying to fulfill it. God gave us a brain, dear family. Let us use it, as Father Altman says. So let's look at what it says and how do we implement that. For example, one of the things that it said was you can't have the Latin mass in a parish anymore. Well, where else do they have them? Where else are you supposed to have it? A hotel? Right. So there's things like that that you go and and they're not causing any trouble. These are the faithful Catholics. And there's so much other stuff going on in the church right now that to come down on that is very curious, I think. There's no word about the communists appointing bishops in China. There's no word. The McCarrick report. There goes my headline. There you go. The McCarrick report. We're still waiting on that. Crickets on that. The financial stuff that's coming out. All these issues that really need addressing, nothing is said but the clamping down on the faithful Catholics. I don't get it. Well, well this headline has so many sub-headlines here, in addition to all that you've said. Um, I think it was Burke who pointed out, Cardinal Raymond Burke, who uh, basically eviscerated the statement from a canonical point of view. Uh, he began with saying, where is the original Latin, all, all uh, official pronouncements from the Vatican and from every pope since Pope Latinus I, wherever that was, <laughs> write that one down, pope Latinus. have been issued in the official language of the church. Everything then is translated into the vernacular of the region right. uh, from that. I think this was issued in Italian. Yes, Italian, yeah. Not in, in Latin. So the, the difficulty is the problematic translations of, of and of course, <laughs> Burke is just 
such a uh, deep thinker there. He's he's uh, pulling that out. Well, and he's so stellar. I mean, the man is so incredibly yeah. intelligent when it comes to canon law. Because on, he was talking about exactly what you're talking about. Pulling out some of the points and the differences between what one word difference in translation could mean. And I believe he's bringing in some of... Uh, Pope St. Pius V's information on his motor proprio from 15... Right, so Pope Pius V was the one who pretty much promulgated the traditional Latin Mass as we know it and said, this Mass will be said in perpetuity. And furthermore, Pius V... Wait for it, wait for it. Pius V said, if you go against this, may the wrath of God and Peter and Paul come down on you. Holy cow, they sure knew how to do it then, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. You shall be an anathema. Yeah. Yeah. I find what's interesting is, um, as this week has gone by, you can see some bishops totally, their comments that they made um, public are totally supporting a supposed agenda that Pope Francis is doing. And other bishops are questioning it. And I really find that telltale because someone made the comment to me that that's not by mistake. Pope Francis wants to know who they are, how are they uh, reacting to this, and you know you can't help but think, okay, so that must be how they're forming the future cardinal. So you're and saying for the future that, vote of the Pope for the future. So you're saying that this document is a test, yes, to see how the bishops respond, which bishop responds what way. Right. Didn't Henry VIII pull that off? Could be. Sign the document. Yep, yep. Well, and, and the thing that all of us get so frustrated with is the truth is right there. Whether you know it or not, the truth is right there. But shame on those who know the truth and do not share it with us. Mm. That's right. And so something, too, another re- related issue to this topic is obedience. And maybe we can, I know we're kind of running a little uh, short here in this first segment, but, you know, next segment, let's talk about obedience, um, our role of obedience to either this document or, so obedience of bishops to the Pope, obedience of people to the bishop. Um, that's a factor in here, too. I think so, too. I think, you know, how does this affect us? And this is leading into what you're talking about, which might lead into what we're thinking for the next segment. But I see this, um, these times as bearing incredible fruit. For one, I see that it's a tremendous call for the lay faithful to study and learn the faith, know the history and its documents, because you can no longer trust the man that wears a mitre. The other thing that I think is interesting is there are comparisons going on between the old mass and the new mass and what's happening. Why are some prayers left out? Why are they still using incense? Why this? Why that? There's not necessarily, I mean, there is a correct answer. But I think the more that the lay faithful starts doing those comparisons, there's going to be fruit in that. And then I think a lot of this fruit is yet to come. Um, and it's gonna, it's gonna, this now is really going to impact the future of the church. Now, that's just my opinion, but I think that it's, it's going to. I think so. And the thing I would like to mention about your first point, which was... Uh, the call of the faithful to know the faith. Right. So... Uh, we were born in this time and place for a reason, right? right. God didn't make a mistake. Sometimes I think, oh man, wouldn't it have been cool to be born when the church was in her glory? Got the short straw, did you? (laughs) Right, oh, we got the short straw to be born in this day and time. But 
But St. Louis de Montfort, too, says the um, people in the last times will be the greatest saints. So God wanted us born here and now for a reason. So we shouldn't run from this uh, fight. He put us here right now for this reason. This is The Chatter on FM 98.3 KCRD. That was Colleen Pasnick, if you haven't recognized her voice yet. Author of the book of Corinthians. Yes. (laughs) First or second version here? Oh, probably the fifth book of Colonians by now. Yes. Janet Wagner, I'm Tom Oglesby. We will be right back after these announcements. This is The Chatter, and we're back live. Well, we're live now. When you'll hear this, won't be live. (laughs) Colleen Pasnick. Janet Wagner, we're, we feel alive tonight. We do. Yeah. I'm Tom Oglesby, and uh, we got into the headlines here, and it seems like the headline of the uh, execution of the Latin Mass, may it rest in peace, was the headline, and everything else is hinging on that from uh, Catholics in, in uh, China and, and churches on fire in Canada, all of that stuff going on. It seems... And how are they connected is like this. With all of the things going on in the Roman Catholic sphere that one might point to, spiritual abuse, sexual abuse, financial scandals, the denial of sacraments in, for a billion people in mainland China, we pick on one less than 1% of all Catholics in the Roman Catholic rite who choose to use the ancient form that's been used for not a century, but a millennia. And this is, this is the line in the sand here. Yeah, it's kind of un- unbelievable, un- unreasonable. And just for listeners, maybe they're tuning in for the first time today and they go, what in the heck are they talking about Latin Mass? What in the heck is that? I don't even go to the Latin Mass, so this doesn't concern me, but well, oh, a, yes, it does. That's a good point, because I think in this archdiocese, the only Latin Mass is in Cedar Rapids, isn't it? At St. Wenceslas or Immaculate And point me in the right direction in the Rockford Diocese. Uh, I don't even know. In the, well, I don't even know, because they used to have the Latin Mass in East Dubuque, mm-hmm. but they don't anymore but maybe if someone's listening locally they go oh yeah we used to go to east dubuque latin mass but for the archdiocese of dubuque i think the only place is in cedar rapids so i know a lot of um people that are fond of praying the latin mass uh right will go to platteville right so that's probably the closest latin mass for anybody here locally although i will say feast of saint peter and the vigil of saint peter and saint paul they had a latin mass out in petersburg which is a beautiful church and the church was, I'm not going to say packed, but it was full. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. <laughs> on a Monday night. On a Monday night in the at, summer. At um, 6 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they came from Cedar Rapids, Anamosa. I mean, there's... All over. Yeah. So people may not may think, what are they talking about? I don't even know what a Latin is. And what's mass the big is. deal? What's the big deal? We've what? got a mass here. Yeah, we've got a mass, right? So I think there's a lot of those questions out there. So for anyone who's listening right now who's never been to a Latin Mass and think, what's the big deal? Um, I would just suggest that you try it, right? You can go to Mass in Platteville on a Sunday at 8 o'clock a.m. at St. Augustine. It's at the Newman Center on the campus there. 
um, I would suggest you just try it. And I would suggest, I mean, it took me like a half a dozen times. It uh, took me longer than that, Colleen, but I didn't write a book about <laughs> Corinthians either. The book so. of Corinthians, yeah. <laughs> that, um, that will live in infamy now. Yes, there you go. Um, I want to throw a couple of things sure. out here for you. It's been, it's, it's been said by many that the Catholics who enjoy or prefer the ancient Tridentine rite are divisive. And I'm going to ask you, why are they, those Catholics who choose to worship God in this rite, or the Mass itself, the liturgy itself, why is it a threat and to whom are they threatening? Well, I think that's a great question. I am a traditional Latin Mass goer. Why is it a threat and who's being threatened? What do you think, Janet? I didn't think I could stop you up. No, I just, I mean, I, I've attended the Latin Mass on and off since 2014. And I was never as smart as Colleen because it took me <laughs> at least since 2014 to catch on. So for all of you that are out there saying you can't get over the language barrier, you know, don't feel bad. There, there are a few things that are different, but really, when you just participate and just try it, there's not. But to call that group of people who I've come to know quite a few people who attend the Latin Mass, hundreds, hundreds of people, they're some of the most loving um, mm -hmm. promoters of the Catholic faith down to every well, issue. Well, no, no, stop here. I've got to stop you here because the, the knock on the Catholic, and I hate these political terms, Colleen, we've talked about. We have. Uh, traditional and conservative and progressive and all of that here. But the knock is the people who go to a Latin Mass are a bunch of snobs, and they look down their nose at people, and you're a second-class citizen and you don't dress up and whatever it is. Has that been your experience? No, but I've had that experience. It doesn't matter where you can go to Mass. I mean, the thing is, is you got to ask yourself... But then, it's universally applied here, isn't it? Yeah, to... it's, it's universally applied, but here's the deal. Are you that insecure about yourself that that's the first thing you think of when you go to a Latin Mass? You have to be welcomed? Hello, you're not even welcomed at a Novus Ordo Mass. Do you have to be welcomed? I just, I'm just submitting it for the chatter. The chatter. No, I, I, but I, I look at that, you know, and for, for every action that comes out of somebody's mouth that's kind of a you know where they're putting the brakes on there's also another side of the story well then well then flip it over what has your experience been are you welcome do you feel warm is it is it a prayerful worship environment okay so i don't go every week to the latin mass although i go i would say occasionally okay i like it i prefer the latin mass and i'll tell you why because it's reverent Mm -hmm. There's silence. The prayers are more beautiful. Okay? So that's why I go and that's why I like it. Now, do I find the other people there welcoming? You know what? I'm there to talk to God primarily. You know, if I want to talk to other people after Mass over donuts, great. They're all welcoming after Mass. But we are all there. We're united because we're all serious about the Lord. We are all facing the Lord. The priest is facing the Lord. This is God's hour. He gives us 168 hours all week. He asks for one back. And in this hour, everyone that's at a Latin Mass 
is serious about talking to God and turning their hearts and mind to God. I think what it really comes down to when you're asking the question, are these people divisive? Well, if following every nook and cranny of the uh, of church teaching, if that's the litmus test, these people do. So if some people say, well, I'm Catholic, but I don't believe everything. Let me say this about divisive. You Can't you only divide that which exists? What yes. what existed first? Well, now that's a good question. What existed first? How can that which pre-existed the Novus Ordo be divisive? So you're implying that since the uh, the Latin Mass existed forever, the Novus Ordo is the one that's divisive. It's I'm not dividing. accusing. I'm okay. not accusing implying. that. Okay. I'm not implying that. I'm simply defining that to divide something. It has to exist. Something that pre-exists, something to come later, cannot be divisive. Only that which comes later can divide the former. True. 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 I just thought I'd introduce logic. True. Gosh, logic. Gosh, that's that's another... Come on, Tom. It's in the seventh book of Corinthians. (laughs) Chapter, verse... (laughs) But Let I me think... throw a couple other ideas out here while I'm on a roll. Because we're, we're, what, what time we're coming up here? We got, we got time? We got seven minutes. I'm glad somebody else is keeping time because the timekeeping has been taken away from me. I've had to relinquish that. So in prayer, a couple of things. Have th- we've talked about Mueller, uh, Burke. We've talked about O'Malley. We've talked about the Latin Mass Society of Dubuque, what's going on here. But in prayer, a couple of things going on, because it has really dominated in the last seven or ten days. But a couple of scriptures came up to me. One, in Exodus, when Moses goes back, he's commissioned by God the Father at the burning bush. Go get my people. Initially, if you read the scriptures, and I'll paraphrase, but it was... Go get my people and take them. Tell Pharaoh we're going on a three days journey into the wilderness to worship me. Now think of this. For nearly 450 or more years, the sons of, the grandsons of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are in slavery, captivity. And in those many generations, how many generations in 450 years? A lot. A lot. They have forgotten who... The God, because, you know, Jacob had said, you know, if this really happens, this will be, uh, Isaac's God will be my God. His father will, his father's God will be my God. This is a holy place. He poured oil on the stone that he rested his head on. He wrestled an angel. His name was changed at that point from Jacob to Israel. Yep. And that was the God there. They know not the Ten Commandments yet. They only know God through the natural law. But in those generations of 450 years, they know not God. The God they know is Pharaoh. The God they know are the the Egyptian gods. And so he says to Moses, God the Father says to Moses at the bush, bring my people out for a three days journey to worship me. Now, Pharaoh agreed, but then 
relinquished and the ten plagues came and Passover eventually. Moses gets them after the tenth plague, which was the killing of the oldest male of the Egyptians, their slaves, their livestock. And they get to the Red Sea. And the Israelites are understandably nervous. The sea parts, the column of smoke, the column of fire holds off the chariots and on dry land the Israelites proceed to the other side. Eventually all of the chariots, horses, and charioteers are swept away. Lesson number one, do not mess with God when he wants to bring his people to him so that they worship him. Fair enough. Do not mess with that. The second scripture reading is in the Acts, I believe, where Gamaliel, the the, uh, Pharisee, who Paul, St. Paul is a student of, and I'll paraphrase the passage. We should have pulled it up here, but we'll paraphrase the passage where it's after, I believe, Peter and John are, are arrested. But they're set free. They go to the temple to, to preach. They come back. They're flogged again and, and brought before the Sanhedrin. And there is uh, uh, Gamaliel who dismisses them and comes back and says, uh, there was a... Uh, an uprising by a gentleman, I think, named uh, Judas. And he said, that was of human origins, and it dissipated, and it went away. And then there was a uh, another uprising from a gentleman. I don't read. Colleen's looking for it, and we'll find. And, uh, and it dissipated because it was of human origin. But he warns the Sanhedrin, beware of Peter and John. If what they're saying is... Of God. From God, you will not be able to stop. Be it. able to stop it. And if it's of man, it will dissipate on itself. It will destroy itself. That's right. Those two passages come to me as I'm just hanging out with the Blessed Sacrament. By the way, if you're looking for a place to get away from the heat, both Eucharistic Adoration chapels are air conditioned, and it no, it won't. He will change your life sitting before Christ himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in a monstrance, either at the power of prayer or at St. Joseph Chapel in East Dubuque, will change your life, if you're up for it. So the Acts of the Apostles there with uh, Gamaliel, how does this tie in with the modo proprio? Well, the other... The other uh, The other scripture passage, unless a grain of wheat falls and dies, it is just a grain of wheat. But if it does fall and die, it will bear much fruit. My sense is, if the Tridentine Mass is true and authentic, and the Lord God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost view this as excellent worship, no human being is going to destroy this. That's the ray of hope that I see in the midst of all of this fog and smog and mist and uprising, perhaps anger. 
that's going on right here. I think there's a rainbow like Noah's rainbow. And at the end of it here, God is going to say, like he did to Moses and the Israelites, like he did through Gamaliel, like he did with the apostles and said, hey, don't worry about it. I'm in control. The wheat's going to die and bear much fruit. Yeah, that's Acts chapter 5. I found it while Tom was talking. And um, what uh, he says to them in Acts chapter 5, verse 38, And now therefore I say to you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. Verse 39, But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest perhaps you be found even to fight against God. I don't think this is... A fight you want to pick. I don't think it's a fight you want to pick. And I think I think the faithful really need to have skin in this game, or you're not on the team. And the reason what being do you mean is, by that? what I mean by that is, the faithful, the lay faithful, can no longer sit in the pew and just take for granted that the priest on the pulpit is going to teach them what they need to know. It ain't happening. Mm-mm. The bishops aren't teaching it in most dioceses. Well, how did and, you find this stuff out? Well, like a lot of people, I read my way into the church, except I can't really say that because I was already a cradle Catholic. But because it wasn't being provided to me, I started reading more. Church fathers, scripture, um, other people in my life, got different friends, you know, faith-filled friends, started going to adoration more often, and many other things. Um, But the point is, is that you know, like it was said before, I believe in the first segment, you can't necessarily trust what's going on with some in the hierarchy. It's sad, but here's the reality. You need to know the faith. Ignorance of scripture, as they say, or Jesus said, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of, is ignorance of him, or however that's said, I'm messing it up. Jerome, Jerome ignorance of scripture is, is ignorance, ignorance of, of Christ. Christ. Right, and so the thing is, is that that's a call. That, that says you can't just sit on your butt and expect to go to Mass one hour a week and, and know the faith. It requires... Hold it, hold it, hold it. That was on the time treasure uh, survey, wasn't it? I can I'm sit sure. on my butt. <laughs> Come sure on, it was. work with I'm me. I'm sure it was. Yeah. But, you know, and, and just to piggyback on that, and I know we're wrapping up this segment, but just to kind of close this segment out, you know what I would say to all our listeners? Don't yeah. trust us. Don't trust us is right. Look it up. I mean, that's what that's what I did too, Janet. I said, you know, what does the church really teach? I don't want a secondhand opinion. Let me right. go to the original source. And I would suggest for every person who's listening to this, you do the same thing. Please. <clears throat> go please. to the original source and don't don't listen to us. Don't listen. Go find out yourself. We're just talking about it. That's the whole point of this show is to bring it to your attention. But please read scripture if you're not already doing it. We've always always have encouraged you to pray. But the thing is, is if you look at documents where you want to go deeper, read some of um, the doctors of the church, the saints. Hang on here. Let's let's bring that up in the next segment here. We'll take a deeper dive on the documents we need to talk about, where you can find them, and why you need to... How do we get on the team? How do you get on the team? Yeah, what, what, what's the phrase? I just lost it. What did you here. say if you don't... I said if you don't have skin in the game, you're not on the team. So get some skin and... and embrace it and embrace the teachings that's janet wagner we'll provide her home phone number right after this it's (laughs) it's colleen pasnack i'm tom oglesby on the chatter we'll be right back
Hi again, everybody. Tom Oglesby. We are in the FM 98.3 KCRD studios, which we wouldn't have without your support. Thank you, all of our listeners who have. Colleen, you reminded me we had an eighth anniversary last week. Unbelievable, isn't it? Eight years. Started with a cheeseburger at the West Dubuque Tap. And not a beer. It was an afternoon. It was a soda, a pop. Lunchtime. Lunchtime, yep. And a cheeseburger. Had it been later. It might have included a, an a adult beverage, beverage. An adult beverage. So thank you all who have so faithfully supported Aquinas Communications, who have given birth to FM 98.3 KCRD, who have given birth to the award-winning Bellowing Ox, the newsletter here. By the way, if you're not getting that, go to kcrd-fm.org and sign up for the newsletter. And uh, also sign up for the Wednesday, September 22nd event at the Grand River Center. This will be a magnitude of huge. It'll be like an earthquake. If you have not gotten your tickets, I mean, we're still two months away and we've sold how many tickets already? We're a third of the way, but we're over 200 tickets. We're over 200 tickets. So if you have not gotten your ticket, get your ticket. It's going to be sold out. Father James Altman and Father Father John Lovell. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of people know Elizabeth Yore, but after they see her and they, they, yeah, I've heard her somewhere along the line. This woman is a spark plug. She is a spark plug. So it'll be a high energy night and get your tickets now. And um, by the end, it may be you just get a seat. You don't get the meal. Mm-hmm. Um, but so sign up early and sign up often. Yes. Right? Pretend it's Chicago. Is that the way they say it? <laughs> and that's Colleen Posnick. And... Um, who are you? Janet Wagner here. Here I am. Yeah. So we closed segment number two, and we left people hanging, and we uh, we got we to gotta rescue them here because you said if they're not on the team, what's the, what's the if then here? Well, then to get on the team is you have to participate. You have got to get skin in the game, and that skin in the game basically means you need to look at sources to educate yourself about our Catholic faith. And what are those sources? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I went to grade school. I went to high school. My... And I got confirmed, by the way. I'm I'm done. So can you tell me the commandments, the precepts of the church? I'm done, huh? Can you can you quote me those things? Haven't you gone to any of the summer barbecues? Not that now that they're back in full swing here. I mean, have you talked to people? They're they're checked out, they're done. They've they've got the Confirmation is graduation, right? They yeah. don't need anything else. They they had confirmation in nineteen sixty four and they're good. But you're saying that ain't true. That is not true, and that's why traditional Latin Mass is flourishing, because that's a group of people who knows that that is not true, and they are concerned about where they are going to end up when they die. Since you have the Bible, and you put it away, Colleen, but what is the very last verse in John's Gospel? Ah, shoot. Remember that? We'll we'll let you go look it up here, because I think it's uh, pertinent. But you, tell me more. We got to do a lifelong... Yeah, we, we ha- it's a lifelong study. And the thing is, is that, you know, it, it's basic principles, but we live in a culture right now that is just um, riddled with evil. Everywhere you look, it's just riddled with evil. But what you have to ask yourself is, am I a better person today than I was yesterday? And what am I doing about it if I'm not? Did you find it? I did. So the very last verse in the uh, Gospel of St. John is verse 25. And it says, but there were also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written every one, the world itself, I think, would not be able to contain the books that should be written. So think about that. This is, this is John, who 
put his head on the breast of Christ at the Last Supper, and he sang, if everything that Christ told him and the rest of the apostles were written down, he doubts that all of the libraries in the world could contain it, and yet we've got Catholics, purportedly Catholics, saying, I'm done. Yeah, I had, I had all the sacraments, I'm done. And that is so sad. It's so sad to me because sometimes I find myself weeping at the number of souls who are not even going to make purgatory, let alone heaven. All right, so we rest our case. We, we've, we're, we're making the case that you can't go for eight years or 12 years or, or 16 years of Catholic education. It's a lifelong education. Colleen, there's a lot of holes that need to be filled in. What's your go-to book to start? Oh, my goodness. There's so many. You know, this is going to be a little off. But my, one of my go-to books, I just love this book. It's the Catholic Source Book. I don't know if you have it on your shelf or if you don't. But it's just, I think, fascinating. It's Do not, we have that on our website? I don't, I don't know. Let's but just you, make a note. Let's get that on our yeah, website. The Catholic, the Catholic Source, Source book. book. And the reason I love it so much is it's bite-sized and it's not too heady. So, so what, what, do you, what have you learned out of that? What do you pull oh, it out so, of So, you know, you might pick up, why are those four evangelists depicted with the um, images they are? Mm. Why is Matthew a, a face of a man? Why is Luke either the head of an ox or a bull? Why is John the eagle? Mm-hmm. I love it. It's like a trivia book. And you can leave it in the bathroom because that's where everybody <laughs> picks up a book. So if you're trying to evangelize someone... Leave it in the bathroom. Now, if there's a line of people up at the bathroom on Alta Vista, we know now why that has happened. <laughs> so it's not a, a doctrinal book. It's not a code of canon law. But it just... And everybody likes trivia. What's wrong with Catholic trivia? You know, it's really... It kind of just... Um, it puts a smile on your face. It's got the little stuff you don't know about. And it makes... It just... it. It just makes me happy. Okay, so that's trivia. That's some back end. What, how about some blocking and tackling? What If, if we really want to start getting down to precepts and why we believe the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots, what, where do you go next? Well, and I would say about that, I, I do have the catechism. Which one? Why should that dumb question? I walked into that one. <laughs> she has them all. She has them all. All right, all right. But really, but there's more than one. Our listeners may not know that. Good. Point. There's more than one catechism. Good all right. Point. What, what what's a good starter though for somebody? I mean, I'm thinking we're in the middle of July. It's hot. It's barbecue weekends. People are gathering around. We got Finsel's corn going. We got burgers. We got brats and a beverage and. And we got the Baltimore Catechism. And we got the Baltimore Catechism, because <laughs> yeah. this is a whole lot better to talk about than... Than anything else that's going on in the world. But you know what I think is really odd, is if you ask somebody of a certain age or mm-hmm. older, why did God make you? What do they say? Duh. To know him, to love him, to serve him, and to be with him forever in heaven. Okay, everybody knows... Well, everybody of a certain age knows that, because it was a Baltimore Catechism question. Right. I would highly suggest starting with the Baltimore Catechism because it's in question-answer format. And I do have the latest catechism of the church, and um, I don't sit and read it as a book. You look stuff up in it like you would an encyclopedia. Yeah, it's more of a resource book. It's a resource book, so don't feel like, oh my gosh, now I have to sit and read the catechism. No, 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 no. But that's a good point here. So the catechism and the one you're speaking, the more modern, well, the current one, that was promulgated by... John Paul, St. John Paul. John Paul II, 
Right. Janet knew him on a first name basis, JP, <laughs> too. Um, but I would start with the Baltimore Catechism because, first of all, it was geared toward the school children, so it's not going to be too heady for any of us. It's short questions, short answers. Right. Loved it. Now, just as a point of contrast, not necessarily taking people there, how is that different than the Council of Trent Catechism, for example? Well, first of all, the Council of Trent happened in about 1570, 15, 15, was it? Okay, so yeah, the middle of the 16th century, yeah. right, in response to Luther. In 1517. Right, so the Council of Trent was in response to Luther. There's a lot of anathemas being thrown around. There's a lot of language like that, being, which is fine if you want to look something up. But honestly, to get a conversation started with somebody is... The Baltimore Catechism, I think, is a real well, The reason I ask that here is, is because the catechisms throughout history have been written to different audiences to address different needs in the church. For instance, the uh, questions and answers in the Trent Catechism are really targeted to the parish priest. How should the parish priest instruct his flock, his children? The Baltimore Catechism is really... A, um, a schooling of of everyday Catholics, the laity, uh, really targeted toward school children. Targeted toward school children, called the Baltimore Catechism because it was promulgated in Baltimore, right, in the United States. So trying to apply some of the teachings of the church to lay people in the United States around the... 19th century, I think it was 18-something it was. Right. Written. So now, those are those two there, and then Janet brings up the um, the more current catechism pr- promulgated by St. John Paul II. Not necessarily in that question and answer form, but more in a reference, uh, not an encyclopedia, but a... a but it is no, a reference. It's a reference. It's nothing you'd read. So who's... It was in response to a need that John Paul sought. What's your interpretation of that, Janet? My interpretation was is that he could get it just to simplify it and get it out to something that would address all Catholics. Because the other thing is, is what it, what the catechism does is it basically tells you kind of the rights and wrongs of what we believe as a Catholic Church. But it, it's deeper than that. If you read the catechism and you also look at the... Um, Sub, sub notes like in, in the Bible it shows you which scriptures support the teaching and why and why and when you start taking your time and you I mean you can read it like a novel I have a couple of times um, usually I do that for like a, a Lenten practice a, a penance of some sort but also to educate myself but the cool part is is if you sit down and you go back and you look at those scriptures and you go back and you read the scripture and you read the stories behind the scripture not only does it make scripture come alive it also sets up the basis for what truth is. So you're connecting the dots. You're connecting the dots. So let's uh, recap here. Books to start, to get on the team, because this is Janet's team, is that right? Yes. On, <laughs> no, on, no, 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 no. Team, no, no. team Janet. Team, a, team Janet. <laughs> okay. Uh, is the Catholic Source book. No, I have Catholic Source She has book. Catholic Source. Yeah, but it's Janet's team. Oh, dang. Well, you you could be on my oh, team. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have a hard time playing second I fiddle. I do here. have yes. a hard time. So Catholic source book. Yes. Uh, catechism, which one first? I Bal- like Baltimore. Personally, I like Baltimore because it's short, and that's my attention span. Number yeah. t- my number three book is? 
This is hard. Oh, Janet. Oh, 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 Janet wants to say something. Read the saints, their stories, and their writings. Mm. Hey, you know, speaking of that, Father Simon, who airs at what, 9 o'clock? Yep. 9 p.m., uh, Monday through Friday, he claims the lives of the saints are the Third Testament. Very good. Have you heard him say that? that. So our Janet wins on that one. So (laughs) like Family Feud. We're only going down three uh, three uh, books this week because they've they've only got enough. All right, four books. Four. What do you got? Okay, my other one is uh, Jesus, our Eucharistic love. If you don't have that book, you are missing out. Actually, I I should order a bunch of copies and leave them at the Adoration Chapel. It it will set your heart on. Fire for our Lord. All right, like Janet, make a else. note of that, please. Here, Jesus, are are Jesus, what? our Eucharistic love. How big is it? Is it a? Oh, it's it's paperback. Not not imposing at all. It's maybe hundred pages. Paper. That's a nice oh, that's little doable. paperback. Oh yeah. Let's uh, let's do this here. Let's or can can we find that and order hundred books? Absolutely. Two hundred books. Absolutely. Huh? Sure, we can order hundred books. I think for something, something, give us give us some time here. We'll get a find out where to get it. We'll order a couple hundred books. We'll get them into uh, Aquinas, uh, the KCRD dash. Uh, oh, the the ox. We'll put them in the ox. Yeah, the bellowing you, ox newsletter. If you sign up for the newsletter, the bellowing ox, we will send you we'll a send, free there copy. Go. There we go. Of Jesus, our Eucharistic. That's love. a great okay. idea. Let's do that. I like that idea here. So that's four books. Do it, Janet. I, I cut I you want, off here. No, you're fine. I just wanted to add that you know the most obvious book in the world that everybody should be reading on a daily basis is the Bible and Scripture, and I would say not only read Scripture but read the footnotes and read all the the work in the beginning of the Bible. How did it come about? How many books are there? You know, because a lot of Protestant faiths they don't have all the books that we do, and that was intentional. And as a Catholic, we need to know that. Good point. And the easiest way to start is just the daily re- daily readings for the Mass, which are available in a whole lot of places. So, right, yeah. Old Testament, New Testament, and don't forget about the Psalms. The Psalms. Yes. Love the Psalms. The hey, I've lost track of time. Where are we at on the? Are We're we are we done. are we about done here? All right. Well, we left a lot on the uh, on the cutting floor here. We didn't get into uh, a number of items. Evidently, we'll have to come back next week. I guess we will. Doing that. Janet Wagner, Colleen Pasnick, I'm Tom Oglesby here at the Chatter. If you've got some uh, feedback, we know you do because you've been you've been sending us notes. Uh, go to the website info at kcrd-fm.org. We're happy to answer your questions here, and uh, we need to. Uh, pray is that yes. right or is there something we forgot you've nope. got that quizzical look like i've done it again no no i'm oh. just looking at janet's spiral notebook we'll save it for next time next time huh well two hour shows <laughs> no. all right in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen right. glory be to the father and to, and to the, the son and to the holy spirit as, as it was in the beginning, beginning is now and, and ever shall be world without end amen, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Folks, you got to know we love you. Keep on listening. This is FM 98.3 KCRD.